Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. Today we ask, what are the four horsemen of conflict? We've looked at conflict before, so who are these four horsemen and how do they affect conflict? Researcher and psychologist Dr. John M. Gottman proposed that there are four horsemen to conflict after watching married couples fight for decades. These four horsemen are negative behaviors that consistently lead to divorce, and because they consistently lead to divorce, they can even predict it. These negative behaviors are criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. What do each of these mean and look like? Well, with criticism, you question another person's integrity. Like pulling their character into question instead of having a constructive conversation about how someone's actions make us feel. In the context of a household conflict, residing around maybe grocery shopping, one partner, Jill, might go shopping and buy a few things they like, Maybe they forget something that their partner John wanted. And then John, who didn't go shopping, might feel like they are forgotten. That their needs are less than important because the items they wanted were forgotten. As a criticism, this might sound like John saying to Jill, You always get the wrong food when you go grocery shopping. It forces me to go to the store for a second time. You might as well not go at all because you never remember anything. And how can this be rephrased? Well, how can you express yourself without criticizing is really what we're looking to do. Using nonviolent communication, or NVC, it would sound like this. John says, I noticed you forgot some of the things when you went shopping and got other things that were not on the list. When this happens, I start to feel upset and frustrated because I want us to be efficient and practical when we run errands. So when you go to the store, can you make sure to take a list and buy everything on that list? And if something's not on the list because it's sold out or something, can you call me and we can chat about alternatives in the store? What do you notice about these two ways of communication? The criticism emphasizes blame on the partner. When John uses you statements, the subject of the statement is Jill. Through these criticisms, John is saying that Jill is wrong, that Jill is the partner who is bad, and that it is the partner, Jill, who should feel bad for not having done things the quote-unquote right way. When this happens, the criticism is a judgment rather than the opportunity to communicate needs and make requests. In the rephrasing, the statement changes from you statements to I statements. In this manner, the subject is John himself, who feels something, is expressing how they came to feel this way, and what he would like to see change to elicit a different feeling. Another example of household conflicts could be cleaning. If one partner is frequently cleaning and wants the other partner to join in and help, a criticism might sound like Peter saying to uh, their partner Percy, We have guests coming later today, and you're just sitting on the couch reading. You never clean the house, and I always end up cleaning it in the last minute before anybody comes over. You clearly don't respect our home or me because I've asked you a hundred times and you never help. 
There's a lot to unpack here, so let's do it using NVC. The observation here is that Percy is sitting down reading, and Peter, who is cleaning, is clearly frustrated. Maybe a little anxious about the house getting clean before guests arrive? Maybe they've hit their threshold with the dirty house. One might even think to themselves, if we had more information, we might uncover that acts of service or quality time could be a love language of Peter who is upset right now, and maybe their love language is not being met when they see Percy on the couch reading. So, how can this criticism be rephrased? Peter, who is concerned about the guests coming later, might say, Hey Percy, I see you're reading there and relaxing. I don't want to interrupt, though I would like to share something with you. We have guests coming later today, and I would like to have the house a little cleaner than it is right now. I feel like I've hit my threshold for cleanliness, so when I'm looking around the house right now, I feel anxious, and maybe a little upset that our house isn't as clean as I'd like for it to be. Do you think that you could clean these four things for the next 30 minutes or hour, and then get back to your reading? Or would you prefer to read for a certain amount of time now, and then clean after you're done reading? While that was a long rephrasing, in this example, again, what do you notice? The statements move from you statements, where Percy is reading and being blamed or judged, to I statements, where Peter, who wants to clean, is expressing their emotions, their needs, and making requests. Peter also opened a line for the reading partner to express if they would like to clean first or read first which allows them to express a need of their own. This way, the emphasis is about creating space for open communication. The emphasis is about teamwork and respecting each other's needs. So, that's a recap of our first horseman of conflict. The second horseman is defensiveness. And this is a typical response to criticism, though there are many times when you can become defensive too, as we already know. Defensiveness is something we've talked about before, and we've identified and cataloged a number of defense mechanisms. So why is defensiveness one of the four horsemen of conflict? Well, we know a person can become defensive when they feel like they're being blamed or when they feel like they're being attacked. The trouble with being defensive is that it is a weak communication strategy. It does not help further along conversation, understanding, and it is a blocker for collaboration. Because defensiveness can be a response to perceived attacks and criticism, it's good to note that this response is reflexive, and reflexes are challenging to notice about ourselves. In the household conflict we talked about earlier, where the partners were talking about having guests come over to their house, let's imagine Peter said the criticism instead of reframing. Again, it sounds like, Percy, We have guests coming over later today, and you're just sitting on the couch reading. You never clean the house, and I always end up cleaning it at the last minute before anyone comes over. You clearly don't respect our home or me because I've asked you a hundred times to help, and you never do. Percy might respond with defensiveness in the form of rationalization and denial and say, Peter, you're overreacting. The house isn't actually that dirty. There's only like one thing that is dirty on your list, and you can easily clean it while I read. Percy could also respond with defensiveness in the form of acting out and avoidance, and say, actually, Peter, fuck you. 
I knew it was stupid to invite them over today and completely ruin the weekend. And then Percy would go into another room to read and slam the door behind them. As with all conflicts, the only way to de-escalate is to find the strength within yourself to de-escalate. If you realize you're in a conflict, you cannot rely on the other person to de-escalate. You must take responsibility and do everything you can to take a step towards de-escalation. If Percy was able to hold back any defensive reactions, maybe taking a breath before responding, Percy could use NVC to respond to Peter's criticism by saying, I can see you're feeling some emotions. When I see these emotions in you, my initial reaction is to want to respond back with strong emotions too. I see this is important to you, and so I want to help, and I also want to read. Is it okay if we clean for the next 30 minutes to an hour, and then I read for a while? If Percy responded like this to Peter's criticism, how do you think the conversation would go next? What might Peter hear in Percy's tone and in Percy's request? So now on to the third horseman of conflict, which is contempt. Contempt is feeling angry and disappointed with someone and showing that feeling in a mean manner. So, while criticism often places blame and sometimes points to perceived character flaws rather than expressing feelings, contempt is paired with actions that are intended to hurt. Contempt is an emotion based on the belief that one is superior to another. It is most frequently felt by someone when they see another person as beneath them. Contempt can exist alone or in conjunction with other emotions, often mild anger, such as annoyance, that has built up over a long period of time. Contempt can also build up if someone consistently gives up their needs for another, whether this person gives up their needs because of a request or because of pressure. Contempt can be used to show power or assert status, especially by those who feel uncertain about their own place in the world. Unequal relationships often invoke feelings of contempt from the lower-ranking individual. Examples include teenagers feeling contempt for adults, workers towards their boss, and prisoners towards guards. In some cases, this may result in a pleasurable feeling of superiority and power, and it can also be embarrassing or shameful. Contempt can look like sarcastic mockery, name-calling, blatant disrespect, and most commonly has a subtle tell of an eye-roll or scoffing, all with the purpose of making the target of this contempt feel worthless. Contempt is the next level of criticism, maybe even like 10 levels higher than criticism. If Becky and Bella were two guests that were planning to attend Peter and Percy's party, Peter and Percy's party, wow, that's a mouthful, and they got into a fight on the way there, Becky and Bella might have contempt that sounds like Becky saying to Bella, oh shit, Bella, did you grab the present I left on the kitchen counter? And now Bella responds with an eye roll saying, no, Becky, I didn't grab the present because I was too busy taking care of our kids trying to clean up the mess they made in the family room because you didn't do it while you were playing video games. You're as messy as the kids are. I mean, it's like I have to take care of you too. This is not a normal reaction to Becky asking if she grabbed the present on the kitchen counter. 
Bella's reaction is fueled by a buildup of countless negative thoughts about Becky that have come to an eruption point. Bella feels moral and relative superiority to Becky in this situation because they both forgot to grab the present. Dr. Gotham says that as far as the four horsemen go, contempt is the biggest predictor of divorce. So if you see contempt, which is easily identifiable from outside of the relationship, there's a lot of work to do, and there's a lot of judgment. Now the last horseman of conflict is stonewalling. Imagine a wall made of stones, and imagine you're trying to talk to this wall. You are not going to get very far in the conversation, and that is stonewalling. Someone who is stonewalling has completely withdrawn from the interaction. They have shut down and are not responding, almost like the silent treatment. So the behaviors of someone stonewalling might be to turn away or pretend to be busy with something else. Just as defensiveness is a reaction to criticism, stonewalling is a reaction to contempt. And so in this case, stonewalling is a higher level of defensiveness. Someone who is under contemptuous attack frequently might begin to stonewall as they find a way to escape from the harsh comments. So back to Becky and Bella. If Bella's contemptuous response to Becky's question of whether Bella grabbed the present or not is normal, Becky might stonewall as a response to that contempt by looking out the window of the car and completely ignoring the comment. Becky might also take out a phone and start to fiddle around, or they might change the conversation entirely. If Becky could notice the stonewalling behavior within themselves, Becky could say to Bella, all right, I'm feeling too angry or upset to keep talking to you right now about this. Can we talk about it later tonight after the party? Or can we talk about it when I've calmed down a little? The same could be said about Bella. And if Bella felt that they were experiencing contemptuous responses to Becky's question, they could say the same thing. So it's said that the four horsemen like to gather together and find ways to bring one another out. So the first step is for you to take these four horsemen, notice them if they come up in your life, and pause to ask yourself, what am I expecting right now? How can I use NVC, nonviolent communication here? What emotions am I feeling? What are my needs? What can I ask for? And how do I put a stop to these negative behaviors before they take us away for good. Thank you for listening to another episode. If you're enjoying the show, open up the app you're listening to this on and hit the like or subscribe button and give a five-star rating. At least twice a week, you'll find a new episode asking you a new question so you can strengthen your emotional independence, improve your communication skills, and upgrade your personal philosophy. So if there's a question you'd like me to dive into next, send it to any of these social media accounts connected in the show notes here. This is all about how you level up.